Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 337, covering A Night in Sickbay and Marauders, with Brian Lynch. Hi, friends. It's uh, another week of Enterprise, I guess. It sure fucking is. You know, you know how, like, when you see, when you're, when you're watching, like, a, well, I mean, this happened to me in real life, too, but, like, on TV, when you see a kid in detention, and they look outside, and everyone's outside playing, <laughs> and they're stuck in detention... That, that's what watching Enterprise feels like right now, because so there's like, a new Star Trek show that we could be watching. Yeah, so like Bart doing his homework. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm still not watching it. I don't care for the CBS app. It froze like 95 times last time I tried to watch the Tony Awards. Yeah, it's pretty much the definition of garbage. Oh, it's 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 total garbage. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, it sucks, too, because us... like, I like the show so far. Like... I like some things about it. There are some things I don't like. I would like more people to be able to watch it is the thing. Yeah, I think it will probably get better and it will not get the chance to get better if no one can see it. And also, okay, I fucking just heard about this. So like in Canada, it's just playing on TV like a normal TV show. Yeah, in in England, it's on Netflix. Everywhere else, it's just on fucking Netflix. What the fuck, CBS? Well, they don't want us to see it. You think you're so fucking smart? Well, maybe we shouldn't badmouth you the with your who are, young uh, Sheldon. <laughs> oh, oh! You had to bring that up, didn't you? Well, that show's apparently weirdly good. I hear uh, that, I and I don't want I don't it. I don't want it to be yeah. true. I don't care if it's true. I'm still never going to watch. Yeah, exactly. It. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I'm, I feel like old Sheldon answered all the questions I had. Yeah, I didn't really <laughs> didn't need one. like need what's this. <laughs> Bazinga, huh? Okay. <laughs> it's that thing he says on TV. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's let's get. Uh, I think that's about enough banter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think know. I, I think we can do better than that. No, no, I don't think we can. <laughs> I think we're not going to be able to do better than uh, than than Brian's summary. Brian, you have a little something special for us. Is that correct? Well, I'm glad you asked, Al, and I hope you did ask, because that'll make the sound more off the cuff and less like a pre-recorded bit. Sick Bay, science fiction setting, and the captain don't know that the captain is getting a crappy little bottle episode in a show with everything but good plotting. Time flies when the show is entertaining, and it isn't just an hour of Bacula complaining. We need a little more than Porthos getting sick on an away mission. We need Klingons, or Romulans, or Tellarites, not... not this mess. One night in sickbay and the dog feels icky. If Porthos dies, I will feel so bereft. The situation's getting pretty sticky. If Archer don't apologize, the ship is effed. Holy shit, there's still our 20 minutes left. Captain isn't diplomatic after once again offending the species that's fanatic. About manners to the level of the storm away from supper. The fanatic diseases to our cute little pupper. What do you mean? That decontamination gel doesn't get the job Night done at all? I'm sick, babe. You flux bugging archer in a fluxian way. 
Archer is talking to his crewmen who keep trying to say this is what you gotta do, man, but he's too crabby to listen to that hard line. Sunshine? One night in sick bay makes a hard man humble. Flashbacks and dreams don't help this tale at all. This episode's a 40 minute fumble. The captain's gonna drive me straight up the wall. Oh crap, the show is shipping Archer and Paul. And that's not a joke. There is actually a bit in this episode where Phlox tells Archer that the reason he is so crabby and out of sorts is because he wants to have sex with T'Pol. Not because he's an incompetent captain in way over his head, I guess. Porthos is now feeling so sick that he doesn't even notice when they have to catch a dick back. More interesting people float in and out while the crabby old captain just jogs and pouts. And thank God I'm only watching the show, not living it. I can kind of sympathize with him. A sick pet will throw off anyone's rhythm. But he's a professional with a job to do. He's got to think about the life of his crew, so suck it up, John. Do the I'm sorry dance and get those self-sealing stem bolts or whatever. One night in sick bay and the world's your oyster. The dog gets better in the final scene. They'd hope that shot would make our eyes get moister. But there's a dozen things that I would rather see. I can feel the boredom creeping up on me. One night in sick bay and the captain's shut in. I am so glad to see the end of this. This week I'm Becker, John's dating two women, and he can't decide between Reggie and Chris. But, but Terry Farrell got, got fired, so, you, you know, the you know, decision was kind of made for him. Yet she pissed off the producers by standing with the rest of the supporting cast and helping them get a pay increase. Classy lady. Lost her job, though. That was absolutely delightful. <laughs> well, so that now that fun. song's stuck in my head. So thanks a lot for that. Yeah. yeah well. Okay. Now, now we need to we need to get this out of the way right now. You said that's a terrible song. And oh yes. We well, that's that's that. my my official bad thing is that one night in Bangkok is a terrible song, and I had to listen I, to it like ninety times when I was writing that. Yeah, but I disagree. I I also disagree. So you're outvoted. Uh oh. Is that how the show works now? <laughs> I mean, it's certainly uh, not, a, not a democracy, so... It's just... It's, well, no. It's so... I, like, I don't know. It's, and I can't place what I don't like about it, because I don't know if it's, like, the new wave combined with white guy rap, or if the it's The fact that the, the guy sounds completely bored as he recites it? The huge douchiness of the character, the fact that it somehow became a hit single despite being an out-of-context, plot-driven song from a musical. Or could it just Here's be this the part? Here's the thing. That it's, it's the combined work of ABBA and Tim Rice, neither of whom I really love that much under I normal circumstances. I did not know that ABBA was involved in this, and that surprises me none. Yeah, well, no. I mean, the two guys from ABBA, the, the ones that wrote the music. So, so. the A and one of the Bs. It's ben, Benny Anderson, right. Norm Uvulas, and uh, <laughs> Tim Rice. <laughs> you know, the inventor of the uvula. <laughs> it was the, point the is, discoverer of the, point the uvula, is, Al. Jesus. Even if you like the song, which I suppose you're within your rights to do so, how do you think you're going to like it after the tenth time in a row you hear it? Because you're trying oh. to master a way to parody this weird, formless, completely rhythmless line. The thing is, okay, let me let me just uh, real quick. So, uh, 1985, I'm like 10 or 11 years old, uh -huh. and my clock radio clicks on to wake me up for school, and this fucking bizarre song is playing that li like nothing... 
like you know this is this is when like i don't know madonna and michael jackson were big like sure. what what is this thing it's so strange why is this guy telling it. me about bangkok I didn't really, I didn't really like g- figure out the lyrics for a while. It was just that weird melody and the s- pseudo rap. And no, like, you know, like it was Bangkok, like nothing. Oriental city, and then he just sort of goes, yeah, exactly. It so just it really made an impression. Have the chess on boys in it. Yeah, no, what? it took me a long time to figure out if it was about chess of all at all, but. Uh, very, very strange. Anyway, we, we, this is nothing about that. Uh, my my, se- my secondary bad thing I'll just tell you is that Archer threatens to yeah. pee on a church in this episode, which is he sure fuck. does, and cut his throat in a church. We'll, uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk more about Archer's behavior in this episode and uh, oh, that sort boy. of um, the broad ranging thing of. Can I just say I? There's so much I liked about this episode. Yeah, there's, there's quite a, a bit, mm-hmm. but the one thing I hate was the most prominent thing that went all the way through it, and that was Archer being just horrible. Oh, God, he was such a little, like, he just spends the entire episode bitching. The was- thing is, what my thought was, if this is the episode where he learns, if this is the episode where they're making him the worst, you know, of all those qualities that we've complained about, so that he can come out the other side and not be like that uh-huh, anymore, that'd uh-huh. be great, but that's not how the show works. Mm-hmm. Nope. But it felt like that to me. It felt like here's where he finally learns the lesson and stops being like that, and that'd be great. My uh, my original draft of the song did make mention of the reset button, and then I forgot to yeah. do I realized I had forgotten to do this week on Becker, so. <laughs> did it go? Reset. Oriental button. <laughs> I, I It's problematic to use that word. <laughs> I know. Okay. So, well, go tell Norm Usualis, or Tim Rice, I guess. <laughs> Hang on, I got him on speed dial here. Hello, it's me, Tim Rice. <laughs> Can I help you? I loved you as Tuvok, sir. <laughs> ah, thank sorry, you. I was confused by the accent. <laughs> in Prosper. Wouldn't it be weird if More Tim Rice actually sounds like that and I was just totally, like, I totally got it right by accident? Yeah, it could be. Um, I, I will, uh, my bad thing kind of ties into yours, though, mm-hmm. which is, this, this is a thing someone actually says. Jonathan Archer is a trained diplomat. And it's not is, followed which by Which is the least believable thing I've laughter. been ex- expected. Yeah. So I want least you guys to uh, just imagine that I'm sort of making a loose fist with my palm up and jerking my wrist back and forth right now. Because uh, yes. oh, the wanky wanky motion. Yes. yes the- it's the wanky wanky motion. <laughs> Thank you, Tim Ross. Right? Of, of all the... Um, Tim Roth. <laughs> of all the things I've been ex- expected to accept in this show. I just could Like, what? No. I, warp engines, sure. But, but Jonathan is Archer a di- is no. a trained diplomat. He's okay, always he's diplomatic. So, like, what? like the song said, Porthos is sick. He went down to the planet, and they, yeah. they sent the genetic information to make sure it was safe for dogs, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, the they I don't know, the aliens didn't check, or a big he was just unlucky or something. Says, like, no didn't dogs care to allowed. check is my, my <laughs> interpretation. Yeah, well, it's it's the uh, it's it's the the manners obsessed aliens from the a few episodes previous. Yeah, the ones that Travis uh, had um, had uh, had apologized to yeah. before. Yeah, and so this time uh, they're trying to get some doohickey or whatever because they're still repairing the ship. I like that. I, that was a good. That was a good bit. This and episode and the next one, they're still slowly like making sure yeah. the ship's all patched up. And I will yeah. also well, say this, this time they had a thing that, like, actually sh- would have, offe- it makes sense that that offended somebody. Yes, yeah. that Porthos peed on one of their holy trees. Like, I don't know what the Which, hell your problem is, John, your dog pissed on something. Oh, yeah, no, but that's the whole thing, yes, he was like, 
Oh, how dare they get offended that I went down and let my dog piss on their most holy tree? Well, that's not an unusual thing to be offended by, no. John. Hey, moron, these guys you are. Ever re- you ever think maybe they don't know what the fuck a dog is? Well, these guys are a little like you know, a, a little strict. Oh, sure. this is I not do one of those agree times. that they're a little strict; that they can be a little unreasonable at times. Yeah, but, but this is not one of those times. Nope. And so for the whole episode, though, he's just. Why do they want me to apologize to them? Mm-hmm. Well, for yeah. good reason. And everybody on the ship is trying to talk sense into him. And I get it. His dog is sick, and that's yeah. very sad. And But do your fucking job, man. Yeah, like... No, I... Why are you out here? Uh, Come on. The thing the thing with me is it's, it's hard. It, like, I've been complaining about this with Archer from day one. We all have. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the dog, I suddenly, like, no, I get it. I get it. I know why he's being like this. And that's wrong. I'm totally ro- way wrong. But I couldn't help myself. I just no, man. They 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 hurt his dog. That's unacceptable. I will say this. Um and this is my good thing. Archer worrying about Porthos is the most humanizing he's ever been in this entire show. Yep. Yeah. Now that shit lasts one scene, but still. It's something. Yeah. There's a thing I want. I want to talk about this real quick. Yeah, this yeah. Is serious. This is not funny. And, bring it up. And bring it down, everybody. For for real, I had to stop after the episode ended, and I cried for like ten minutes. No kidding. Oh, not not because this episode was great at all. Not because this show can actually touch me in a, in a genuine emotional way, but because, as I've mentioned many times, uh, my my recently late dog Checkers was adopted in 2002. Because I saw Porthos the Beagle on this show that I was kind of watching, and I said, a Beagle would be cute, I'll get one of those. Mm-hmm. And now, as we cover it on this show, it it was the end of her life earlier this year. And th- him sitting up with her, uh, with, with Porthos, with him, all night, was exactly what I went through with Checkers on her last night. Only, I didn't get the happy ending he got. Aww. Like, my dog didn't end up okay. My dog had to get put down. And it was, it just, it, it hit me hard. And so I, it's hard for me to be objective about this episode because it was so close. Like, that dog is my dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's a, there's an actual relationship to this fictional dog, to my actual dog. So it's hard for me to look at it and say he was being unreasonable or anything like that because, no, no. No, I totally get it, man. But I imagine you also didn't spend that night screaming abuse at your science officer. Well, that would be the vet. And no, absolutely <laughs> if not. If by science officer you meet Amanda, then yes. <laughs> Oh, please. She's my CO and everyone knows. <laughs> anyway, I just I just wanted to mention that because of that, I, I kind of recuse myself mm-hmm. from from being very critical about this episode because sure. it hit me in a very well, specific place. I was a little worried that such a Porthos heavy episode would sort of turn me off of him. But no, he he remains just a highlight of everything oh, the- he appears in, even though what he's mostly doing in this episode uh, is sleeping or being a plastic model. Oh, yeah, there was definitely a stuffed dog filling in for unconscious Porthos a couple of times. I'm pretty okay with them not putting a dog in a box and expecting him to sit in it. Yeah, that's or, fair. Or putting him in a bacta tank and cutting out part of his brain. Yeah, also yeah. that. But then, but then he shows up at the end with a big old Band-Aid on his head. <laughs> Fucking, Aww. I lost it, man. I'll put yep. this, this, this was my good thing, is that, that Porthos is, as the internet would say, a heckin' cute doggo, and I wish to boop him on the <laughs> snoot. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, no, we was, can all agree great. that he is a good, good boy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, they didn't do that thing. Like, 
I know they don't because a few people have told me this. They didn't do the thing where he's been like uh, turned into an alien or he's been like, there's no wacky sci-fi plot with him. Mm. He was just sick. That's all. And I'm glad if they're going to do a Porthos story, it just needs to be that and nothing else. Mm -hmm. He never turns into an iguana and has puppies. Right. Or, you know, turns giant or invisible or something. (laughs) Oh, no, I really want to see an episode where he turns giant now. Okay, that actually would be okay. Anybody else want to see? Anybody else want to see Trip ride him? Anybody? That's what I thought. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Only Captain, what's that? Saddle, That's Porthos. He's turned enormous. I'm gonna ride him, Captain. I gotta ride that dog. <laughs> Onward to glory. The thing is, okay, Archer was absolutely insufferable in this episode. We can all agree on that. Sure. Yes. But uh, Flox was super great. Oh, Flox yeah. is great. That's my 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 second half of my good thing because I thought I was cheating to just make an easy internet dog joke. Yeah, uh, which is that I love Flocks, uh, despite yeah. the fact that he was the vehicle through which the show decided to try to make Archer T'Pol a thing. Which oh god, well, boy, I we'll hope to that, that, that. That will we'll that come merits it. its own separate discussion. Let's, we'll come let's, to it, but yeah, uh, he was through the entire episode, through all of Archer's like complaining and growling and snarling and awfulness. He, I'm he gonna stayed, come sleep in sick bay and then breathe over your shoulder the whole fucking time and complain as you go about your normal nightly routine and feed yeah. your pets. Yeah, and but he was he was. Calm, he was friendly, he was professional, mm-hmm. he maintained his regular demeanor, and, you know, he, g- he gave good Archer advice to the captain. his race to his face, like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you green-blooded you? hobgoblins. Yeah! Can, can you guys imagine any of the other Star Trek doctors putting up with this much shit and not just chasing them out of sickbay, no McCoy matter who would they punch were. him in the nuts. I mean, maybe Bashir, yeah. but only because he was afraid of Cisco. No, he would He would be passive-aggressive. <laughs> Bashir he would not be at five as- o'clock. Bashir would also not be bothered with a dog. Bashir clocks out at 5 o'clock. It would just be one of the Bajoran medics there doing the overnight shift. Yeah, exactly. You're probably right. I've got a squash game with uh, with Chief O'Brien. Or me, work after 5, like some sort of common. (laughs) (laughs) Miles and I are going to go fight some Britishy British British something. I don't know. Oh, that's right. 66. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I just, like... Flux, I've said this before, may have the best bedside manner of all the Star Trek doctors. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he's just, you cannot shake this guy, no matter how irritating they are. He just stays pleasant, not just, like, civil, but pleasant. Well, the, I, I, I love, love that about him. The guy being, like, uh, just, like, a total professional. And he's mm-hmm. seen everything. Like, And can- when the dog starts suffering, he's like, okay, go hand me the blue thing, yep. and we'll try to fix this. And it was like... There was this, there was this scene where, like, he was talking about his personal life and his wives mm-hmm. and his kids, mm-hmm. and they made it very clear that he doesn't have husbands, his wives do, because we can't get too weird, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but they did get a little weird with the, with the like, in a good way, with mm-hmm. the uh, polygamy. Because but, like, he admitted, like, he, he misses the other husbands. They're not his husbands, but he misses them. They're part yeah, of his family, but, and but the I, thing like, is- I like that. They treated it, like, normally, and Archer, to his credit, actually didn't go, you bunch of freaks! That was almost true. That's true. <laughs> but I liked, I liked the, I'm cool. the, the husbands or the wives have husbands too. It's not just mm-hmm. like the women are the men's property, at least. Like, they, yeah. it'd be nice to have some same sex pairings in there too. But beyond that, it was good that everyone can marry everyone and it's not just like, you know, he's got a harem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, that they that. made it clear that they all have their own residences as well. Like, that they, yeah. they all live in different cities, every one of them the wives, the husbands, everybody. Yeah. Which is probably why it's not so unusual for him to go off into space as part of this program. And mm-hmm. 
Like he talked about how it was hard for him, and I'm like, oh, look at that. We're getting the most human moment of the show is coming from the most alien main cast member of any Star Trek series. Well, I think he's the most Star Trek guy in this show. Definitely an enterprise, yeah. In terms of the like the the wide eyed like uh, f- you know fascination with the unknown and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, like it's sort of like got a lot of building animals uh, when they were building Starfleet, they're just like do it like this guy says. Yeah, exactly. Um, there, there is. If this had been my episode, I would have picked this quote where um, uh, he's explaining it all to Archer, and Archer says, "Sounds complicated." And uh, uh, Flux goes, "It is. Why yeah. else be polygamist?" <laughs> I just I, I like that that says everything you need to say about him like yep. he's from a different culture that does things differently and he loves it mm-hmm. he loves the weird way they do things and that's cool to me yeah he's a good dude so hooray for Fox uh, also, I, I, wanna... except for one thing yes. <laughs> um there's a scene in this where Flux goes to town trimming his toenails and I legit got sick well, you have a problem with bodies. Everything. Well, listen. Yeah. Nature and all of its wonders are all disgusting. Uh, yeah, you're you're well on the right. I've made the, I've made this point before. Um, yeah. But just him cutting his toenails, just ew. It was quite the sound effect. Uh huh. I thought it was well done, and I oh, liked it, that he listen. fed it to one of his weird animals after that. <laughs> listen, as far as disgusting toenail clipping scenes go, this one was. Very high up on my list. Yeah, this will make the highlight reel for sure. Oh yeah, definitely the the sizzle reel. Yeah, because the best thing was the build up to it. Because you heard the little clink. Oh yeah, because he's doing it with like a turkey carver. Yeah, and then Archer's like, "What is that noise?" And he goes to investigate, and oh, hello, Captain. Just trimming my toenails. They get super long, super fast. Because I'm a crazy alien. Yep. No, I don't know. I, it didn't bother me. Like, I get it, Matt, because everything's gross to you. Yeah. But uh, I don't understand yeah. why this is so weird. Well, no, I was I was fine I, with it. I thought it was cool the way that they sort of plinked off there. I don't know if it was a practical love, effect or what, but. I love his whole menagerie and all the stuff that he does. Like, oh, it's great. Uh, like, feeding his toenails to them is a little weird and gross. Mm-hmm. I, I'll give you that. But It's a good thing I have this toenail-eating diff- monster. Yeah. But all the different ways that they sort of like, there's a bit of symbiosis going on where this this animal can help this animal, mm-hmm. and and actually that kind of goes into my good thing, which is um, <laughs> at, at one point a bat escapes, and I could not help but define it as a dick bat. It's clearly a dick bat. Yeah, it's a baby dick bat, definitely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like an albino dick bat because it wasn't purple. That or they get purple but, as they get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, that must be it. Yeah. Um, and they're chasing it around sick bay, and and. Apart from wanting to reference dick pats again, which uh. is a deep post-atomic horror cut. If you don't get that, go back and listen to our coverage of the animated series. You won't regret it. Yeah, that was the but, episode um, I was on. Uh, one of them. I it mean, yeah, it came no. up a lot. You may have coined dick bat, but then it took it off. It was you or Michelle. Well, they kept showing yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, because Filmation only has one trick. Yeah. But uh, no, the actual scene, which was very broad, very, very slapstick, but still quite funny, I thought, mm. was... Uh, I. Uh, Archer and Flocks chasing this thing around sick bay with uh, medical issue butterfly nets. I mm-hmm. Ma- Mal was watching this over my shoulder and she says to me, "Why do they have a pool skimmer?" To which I replied, "Why do they have two pool skimmers?" Because he's got a whole menagerie full of weird animals. It might be explicitly for the purpose of catching bats when they escape. I mean, oh, those are my bat nets, Captain. Here, yeah, put this origami bird on one, or as the Klingons <laughs> call them, bat nets. Oh, uh, I'll see myself out. 
Why would you see yourself out over his bad joke? To get away from it. Oh, that's fair. I'm going to lock it in the podcast with you. Oh, why would you do that to me? I'm going to lock it in the decontamination chamber and you can rub sexy oils all over it. Uh, oh, finally. They rubbed, they rubbed sexy oils all over Porthos. They sure did. Weird. That was weird. actually a fun reveal. It was the only good use of the sexy decontamination chamber yet. You got yeah. Hoshi rubbing to Paul. You got to Paul rubbing Archer and they just do a slow pan across and they're yep. doing it very matter of fact. They're not trying mm-hmm. to be sexy with it at this point in the episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then they keep panning and they pan down and Archer's rubbing the oils all over the dog. All like, I can yeah, think with that is, right, that's sh- cute. Sh- all I can think with that is, shouldn't Porthos be rubbing uh, Hoshi then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we finally got proper... enough people to get a proper massage train. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. N- <laughs> nice, okay. Porthos. Real nice. Well, we we do need to talk about the, uh, the Ugh, thing. We don't, is the thing. Can't we just pretend I, it never happened and let, hope they never me, bring it up again? Let me say this. I didn't actually have too much of a problem with it just because of the way they handled it. Uh, so, okay. Go ahead. Expand, yes. Well, so Archer has not gotten laid in months and months and months. They've talked about that. And and at one point, Paul even said, you guys got to get laid. Yeah, that was back when the uh, in the Risa trilogy, as I recall. Yeah, before they got to Risa, like when they kept trying to get to Risa and failed. The epic Risa trilogy. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then he got there and brought a book, and that was it. But um, and not even a sex book. book. I don't think. No, I don't think so. I think it was, I think it was the ratings book. of Surak or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yep. um, the least sexy book in the in the Star Trek universe. I would say so. Yes. Or the writings of of. Uh, Sir Chumley of Gorn. <laughs> it just the, says that on every page. The admonitions of Worf. Right. It's just a bunch of pictures of him frowning at you. But as Colonel Worf, I, his grandfather. I think I used to own that book. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, the, the, uh, Flo, what Flock says is you're really concerned about what T'Pol thinks. I think you have some weird, like, unresolved sexual tension there. And he's mm-hmm. there, and Archer's like, what? No. And the thing is... They don't play it up particularly sexy. There is one dream sequence I could have done without. But yeah. largely, if if all the Malcolm stuff had never happened, mm-hmm. this was the first time it came up, it's framed as something Archer feels ashamed of and guilty for, and he knows it's unprofessional, and he do, he's not a leering, gross creep. It's just like, yeah, maybe deep down somewhere I see this attractive you know, female officer, and I think she's attractive, and that's inappropriate, and I shouldn't think that. And that's where it ends. So... In and of itself, it doesn't bother me. And because of all the other Fox crap. Fox might have been the one that brought it up, but he did give the good advice when Archer's like, what should I do about it? And Fox is like, um, nothing. Yeah, you have to work Archer together. Agrees. I think yeah. it'll probably get better just because you're aware of it, but that's mm-hmm. definitely yeah. as far as it can possibly go. I, I and that's think... why it didn't bother me so much, because Archer's opinion was, yes, you're correct. This is highly inappropriate. I need to get over this. Because, yeah. bleh. What really pisses but... me off, though, is as of this now, every dude on the ship wants to fuck to Paul. And that's why that's why it's bad. Well, and except Travis, like, he, he's too busy with his ghost stories and practical well, jokes. Travis is too oh, busy yeah. not doing anything. No, he's he's got his practical jokes that he's all the time. Oh, his sure, ghost yes. stories, his practical jokes, and his sick gains. Uh-huh. <laughs> all of those. <laughs> but the um like if if it had only happened in this episode or not the others, I actually wouldn't have minded it. Because mm. like just someone thinking, Oh god, am I attracted to oh well that's not good. Mm-hmm. But like, I just, oh, like, I have a crush on my teacher. Ew, gross. You know, then that would be it. Sorry, Brian. Didn't mean that to be directed at you necessarily. <laughs> All right, I know you have a crush on me. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? I mean, it's pretty established. open. Right? But, you know. Right back at you. 
Um, the only thing that makes me leery about how it might go in the future is that there is a scene where at the end, and I don't even remember how Archer phrased it to her, but DePaul likes oh, it something Freudian like slip stuff. Well, there's, that's actually my quote. If you want to play oh, it's so <laughs> fucking, it's Sorry, so fucking stupid, but Flox's no, response is so delightful. So I included the awful Freudian slip and the response. Sorry. Sorry. I'm a little on edge. I haven't slept very much, but I'm doing the best I, the best I can. Hmm. Yeah, that was like, and of course, they has to have an alien name for it. Sure. Oh, oh, yeah, it's it's the blub 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 Varvian slip. But no, uh-huh. I just I really like that. Mm-hmm. When he's walking <laughs> yep. past, and he walks in between the two of them when he does it. Also, yeah, it's like Flox is just being like super shitty because he thinks it's funny, and I love it. Oh, uh, sorry, Archer. But no, at the very end, she's against? like. Oh, well, it's certainly fortunate that we don't have feelings for each other since we're not able to act on them. Captain, heavy breathing for a moment. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like it's like when Blackadder and his manservant were like, what if we really did love each other? (laughs) Yeah, it's like that. Blatant. And I'm like, no, just drop it. Just drop it. I guess I guess it was just the first part of someone acknowledge like they were being subtle about sex for about five minutes. And I think I just <laughs> wanted to give them so much credit for finally being a little bit subtle and saying this. This is a real thing that adults feel, but it's inappropriate. So I need to fix it. And yeah. But it instead, actually, we have to cut to yeah. Archer having a yeah. wet dream about the decon chamber. Ugh. Yeah, no, that was gross. And that that ruined it. But for for a minute, they almost had the path. Mm. They almost had like you can deal with some some more like uh, mature uh, uh, themes if you guys did it right. But no, oh yeah, want to bet? <laughs> yeah, they uh, they didn't whiz that one down there like they jizzed it down there. Like. Yeah, <laughs> ah, gross. Hey, look, that's sounds, not even as sounds as, like as, somebody made a Deblarbian slip. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. Um. So what else? What a good what question. Else we have. I don't know what else happened. Like, it's a it lot of it was a bottle episode, around, like you honestly. said. Yeah. There was, there was. I mean, they did go down to the planet at the end, and Archer did do the ritual apology, which was it was pretty cool. He had to cut the tree yeah, up into certain sections and lay it out and say things and jump around like an mm-hmm. idiot. But it was yeah. it fit in with what we know about the species, so I didn't hate it. Yeah, but that was just and like thing- one room. Everything else was on ship. The thing is, again, if he actually learned a lesson, if he actually, if this is the story of Archer finally getting over all his petty bullshit and becoming mm. an actual diplomat, then that would be good. But if yeah, can if, we get real though for a second about why that's he's not gonna th- how that's not gonna happen? <laughs> I I mean probably not, but that that that's the thing. It's hard for me to say if I liked this episode because it depends. I liked it if this was the last time. Like, if this was them getting it off their chest, then mm-hmm. okay, this is pretty good. But if it's not, then fuck them. I mean, yeah, that would be great. But they're not gonna. No. I know they're not gonna. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I even think that it's a possibility. Stop hoping, Al. It's a fool's I game. I know. I there is no hope here on Enterprise. Just a <sighs> stupid-ass treadmill scene. Uh-huh. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, if you ever wanted to make two <sighs> actors look real fucking stupid, have them have a conversation while on treadmills. <laughs> I just want to see, like, I want to see fucking Bacula just, like, through that entire scene, just like, uh, 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 I was really uh, hoping yeah. it would end with him falling down and flying right? into the wall. Because <laughs> they kept going like, faster. Yeah, I, I that part I didn't hate. I kind of like the, um, the, the subtle, well, it wasn't that subtle, but the competition of her just, like, 
Like Vulcans aren't emotional, but you know what? She's going to be the fastest one. Yeah, that was, it was subtle. Subtle was not the word I used. To no, subtle's it, no. not it. But I just—it's one of those unspoken to Paul things where she's clearly being petty. She won't say yeah. it out loud, but she's clearly got to show her superiority, and I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Right. I just—I don't know if Scott Bakula runs weird or if it's just the way they filmed it. But he was like <laughs> hopping from side to side. Yeah, that was a little strange. What uh, what you doing there, Scott? That's how we used to do it on Quantum Leap. Is it? I call it a wobble running. Okay. This is literally the quantum leap. <laughs> leap, leap, leap. Okay, well, now you're just quantum bounding. <laughs> well, that was going to be the sequel series. <laughs> oh, uh, one more quick thing to come back to the dick bat scene. Uh, yes. So uh, uh, Archer and Phlox are chasing this bat around and, and just cannot get the thing. And then Hoshi just walks in and it, it like lands on her finger, basically. Of course, because Hoshi is yes. a Disney princess. Hoshi is the fucking best. She's just the best one. I, I'm i not sure why everybody's not in love with her, but I'm not writing the show, so... I mean, seriously. I am, but, you know. Um, you it's the show. like It's the, like the show Enterprise is waiting for her to take her hair down and pull her glasses off. Uh, I wish she was no, right wearing now, glasses. Oh, God. Right now, I, only my crushes on the show are her and Trip. That's it. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. everyone else can... can Fuck off. I'm glad we went back to the dick bat scene because I forgot to mention that one of the tools they chase it with is that Flox puts down his butterfly net and picks up an origami bird on a stick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he made it to look like the natural predator of this thing from its own planet. And yep, apparently that thing to gets... mimic the call of it. And it's so great. And was really apparently mad that he didn't make swans. I guess. <laughs> or maybe that means he's a replicant? And he's doing know. a crate dragon call. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything we're just, else? We we're probably just should move all on the franchises. The, we should um, probably move on to the next one. So. Yeah. No, I think that's it. I don't no, know. I, nothing really happened interesting. in this one. No. Matt, a, no, it's a great simulation of what it's like to wait for your dog to not be in surgery. Mm-hmm. Sure so, is. Uh, <laughs> so if you were looking for a great simulation of that, mm-hmm. if you were looking for a, a something to just stab you in the heart and make you cry, there and you're me. Yeah. There you go. All right. Let's if you're looking for a non-flute way to make Al cry, uh, see that that made me tear up. Mm-hmm. This made me ball. Oh man, what if the episode ended with like a pan out of Porthos sitting in like the captain's quarters on his little cushion, and then he just pulls out a flute and starts playing it? <laughs> now, see that would that would have made me laugh because Archer can't play. That. I'm gonna say like no, no. I mentioned sh- Porthos did. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm gonna Porthos say- just reaches under his cushion. And turns out he's had a flute there the whole time. <laughs> The the shot at the very be- the the co- the end of the cold open where everyone has to leave Porthos in the decom room and he's just sitting and he's there, in there by himself. Sad. Yeah. yeah. Well, there Beagles that. have that look. And yeah, the bit where he was right reaching in the into the uh, he was reaching into the little glass dog box with the little gloves they had in there. You know those things like they have in yeah yeah. And a- Porthos reached up and put his paw on it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I love that dog. All right, we need to move on. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, Brian, what's your alternate title? Uh, my alternate title is One Night in Sick Bay because that's what I thought the title was the entire time I was writing that song. Uh, yeah, and it's A Night in Sick Bay, it's which a just night made me think bay, yeah. of, of a Marx Brothers movie. But, uh, <laughs> a Night at the a Sick night Bay? A Night in Sick Bay, The Day in the Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt, what do you got? Uh, stupid Archer Tricks. Quite good. I like it. I went with doesthedogdie.com. <laughs> so the problem with that website is that I can't go to it because the crying dog logo they use for stuff when the dog dies makes me sad. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Yeah, so we're all, uh, well, at least two, the two of us are, uh, are a little uh, mm -hmm. emotionally tied up with dogs. That's just the thing about us, so. Uh-huh. There you go. Uh, all right, moving on now to an episode uh, that isn't on about Ferengis, thank goodness. Yes, uh, shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, take it away. All right, so Enterprise swings by some planet to pick up some Deutrinium or Denebrian or Unobtainium or whatever, as they're still recovering from the Romulan mine four episodes ago. Jesus, Enterprise, get your shit together. Scotty to fix this shit by now, and he hasn't even been born yet, which means he's almost a baby. Your engineer has been beaten by an almost baby, Enterprise. Does that make you feel good about yourselves? <laughs> anyway, so the planet they land on doesn't have any vibranium for them because every three weeks a ship full of Klingons shows up and fucking steals it all. It's like the plot of every Western ever, uh, except the good, the bad, and the ugly. And 310 to Yuma. And for a few dollars more. It's like the plot of one Western I think I saw one time. <laughs> so Archer gets a bug up his ass yet again and decides to, to train these filthy maggots in the ancient martial, Vulcan martial art of Berry. <laughs> also, they set rope traps everywhere. No man can outwit, outwit a carefully placed rope trap. When the Klingons arrive, they're quickly dispatched like so many wet bandits, but without the massive fatalities. This is Starfleet, after all. Their foe is dispatched. Archer and the crew leave the planet a little safer and a little better off. Two weeks later, the Klingons come back with three full ships of their, of their friends and murder everybody. The end! <laughs> I definitely got that impression that, uh, yeah, you, you saved them today, but yeah. so... No, they like, did all... very clearly say that this Klingon ship was, like, basically a freighter that was just being shitty. The thing is... The well, yeah, they so, said... Like, if, they're, they're, if they were Klingon military, I'd be like, yeah, but... No, they said, let's yeah. call the Empire, and they said, oh, these guys aren't affiliated with the Empire, they're just dicks. Mm-hmm. No, the episode ends with everyone else all excited and stuff. It's like, we did it, we saved the day, we beat back the Klingons. I'm like, yeah, Klingons definitely aren't known for holding a grudge. At oh, all. That's true. No. Yeah, but their ability to fight back against these guys now deals on Mr. Congeniality. They're having friends, which, frankly, I've seen how that guy operates. I don't think so. <laughs> what what I actually I'm, really thought was funny about this episode is how bullying these Klingons are. Yeah, it was, very, it was... Yeah. Just, no, it did remind me. I don't know which Western you're thinking of, but I've definitely seen it I think it's it Magnificent well. Seven. I think the Three Amigos. Uh, it was definitely in the Three Amigos, but I think they borrowed from... A few things for the it was the Magnificent Seven. Is awesome! I haven't seen the the Magnificent Seven. Ah, hooray for Matt! Have you seen Seven Samurai? No. Have you seen the other Magnificent Seven? No. The one with Have Christmas you seen a Bugs Life? That one. Sorry, a Bugs Life. Bugs Life is based on the Magnificent Seven. No, I went and is saw it? Ants instead. There's a fucking lot of things based on the Magnificent Seven, or based on the Seven Samurai. Right? Huh? There's a yeah. there's a sci-fi one too. I think I don't know. Like yeah, it was Star called Wars Star Wars. Wars. Star like Star Blast. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Starbreak? Because I just watched that on uh, Netflix. I, no, I was, what I was, I was, I was alluding to Star Wars being based on a different Kurosawa. Oh, oh. yeah, that, that's based on Hidden Fortress. Right. Um, yeah, because the Death Star is the Hidden Fortress, it's going right? to bother me. Yeah. Uh, Magnificent Seven, Battle Beyond the Stars. Good. Uh, I'm glad we got uh, that. Glad we settled that. Yeah. Roger Corman joint. Uh, oh, of, of course it was. It was. George Papard is in it. And John Saxon. Oh. Wow. Oh, the George Papard. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I want to get to my bad thing real quick here, just as a, mm -hmm. as a reference to something Matt mentioned. Uh, you, you said the Vulcan martial art of Taekwondoberry, which was quite yeah. good. The actual name for it uh -huh. was Susmana. 
which I would not have known. I, I didn't I didn't notice that one of the writer's names is Mike Sussman, except mm-hmm. that Flonk called him out last week <laughs> as his one of his Flonk's Enterprise All-Stars. For clearly editing his own uh, Memory Alpha yep. articles. Yeah, exactly. So now I, I notice the name because I just heard it. In fact, I usually turn on this next week's Enterprise after I record this week's PA. So I had just heard him say that. Mm-hmm. And I saw them say, the Vulcan art of Sussmana. Like, are you fucking kidding me with that? Okay, did anyone, then, else, did anyone else I, think Sussman or not? Do, 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 do. <laughs> well, here's, here's even better. And the, the, Brian, you wouldn't have known this yet because you mm-hmm. haven't seen Discovery yet. They actually brought it up in the most recent episode of Discovery. Oh, my God, they did, too. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yeah, Son I think uh, uh, our, our protagonist who grew up on Vulcan says that she knows the ancient Vulcan art of Sussmana. And like, wow, okay, well, at least it's continuity now. Uh-huh. But, uh, well, did they actually do any? Because it looks fucking hilarious. I, she did some moves, and she looked pretty cool doing them. It, if, it, it, if it was based. anything like this, then it consists of, I would say, five moves total, and those are ducking, crouching, squatting, rolling to the left, and rolling to the right, because... Honestly, well, it's clearly the Vulcan art of running away. Honestly, if I, this... if I could figure out anything, it's that the, it, Kirk, Kirk was a master of Sussmana. Because, <laughs> like, Paul well. does a bunch of, like, face kicks and stuff when she comes back, but they show her, like, training the villagers in it. And the first time one of them goes up against a Glengon, he's swinging his bat left, and she's just crouch, crouch, mm-hmm. crouch, crouch, crouch. Yeah, it's like an early, like, PS2 game where you only have, your character can only do two things. No, this is how, you, like... this, this is how you beat uh, Mike Tyson at the end of Punch-Out!. It's like ah. play, I was going to say it's like playing Mortal Kombat against your little brother. Oh. Or or against me. I, <laughs> I just mash the buttons. Do not know what I'm doing. Stop uppercutting me. <clears throat> uh, let's go ahead and do bad things, though. Brian, what do you got? Oh, oh boy. There was some bad Klingon makeup in this one. Uh-huh. You think? They're, it looked like they had just like grabbed whatever foreheads they had lying around, hot glued them onto the actors' faces, and just said, go for it. Huh. It didn't was, really stand out to me. I believe you. I just the I, I didn't notice. the thing is the the sides where it joined up like at the temples was really obvious, and on like uh, four of them, the foreheads were a different color than the face. I thought the actors they got were good. They are. Like, I will say this. Yeah, no, I liked the Klingons in general. Um, yeah. They, um, I liked the costumes. They were like a real. Yeah, I like the way they dress Klingons because they feel original series without looking like like shitty sixties cop costumes. Exactly, and these guys I think had it even better than like the actual like Empire Klingons we'd seen before because mm-hmm. they had like these little like scraps of leather on and like chunks of fur, and then like the main thing was like this like metallic sectioned fabric which looked like their old style like I don't know. Louses, whatever you call those things. Well, it looks like uh-huh. it looks like um, an old movie version of what a Mongolian would look like. Yeah, exactly. In the sixties, that's what they would put on a Klingon. You know? And so it was perfect. And yeah, no, the actors were all really good. The Klingon captain was great. Like I said, he's super yeah. shitty and a huge asshole. Oh, and he he said garbage scow at one point. Of course, he did, but he didn't say garbage scow. Sadly, sadly, he did not. He didn't. Have that the was accent. great. Like because his little like final thing was like. I, I kind of hope he comes back in some way, because he was fun, and his last thing was like, I don't want your stupid deuterium anyway, I can get it yeah. anywhere. Uh-huh. Like, All uh-huh. right, sour grapes, have fun with that. Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Yeah, so T'Pol appears to be wearing a white leisure suit in this episode. <laughs> um, I liked that outfit, actually. Yeah, I'm not sure if Playmates needed another action figure for her or what, but it's not great. I okay, disagree. Guys, I, I wish it hadn't been skin tight. But I liked. I, otherwise, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't wish that Paul's clothing can't be skin tight. That's I like wishing know. for the yeah, sun not to shine. The poor woman. No, I like can't that just they all clothes. 
I like that they all have alternate desert outfits, and I like the Enterprise guys' desert khakis quite a bit. But, and I was trying I to remember, is this were they wearing these when they went to see Clancy Brown? Yes. Were they, they really? Were, okay, I, c- I couldn't remember if they were the same outfits, or if they, because they got a lot of specialty outfits, which I don't mind. Well, they, I've, I've always liked when, you know, like when Voyager had their little specialty outfits mm-hmm. and stuff. I like when they do that, but... No, uh, Archer and Trip had stripped down to, like, the undershirts, because they were playing, like, uh... Volleyball. volleyball or whatever the fuck yeah. it was, yeah. Playing with the boys. Right. But, um... No, I, I, I like... I like I liked her in white because it just... It kind of matched the, the desert-y motif to me. I just... Mm-hmm. I didn't like that it was skin tight because all her all her outfits have to be fine. Yeah, seriously. Like, we get it. You think she's hot. Fucking calm down, Rick Berman. <laughs> Meanwhile, oh, she's up there manning the library. Like, so <laughs> much Mary Bailey. <laughs> Mary, yeah. whatever her name was, I guess, because she didn't get married. Is that a... Uh, it's a uh, Wonderful what? Life. Ah, yeah. I've seen the, movie mo- the movie that expects us to believe that Donna Reed in the mid-1940s was such a harrod and no other man would have her. I'm sorry, I was thinking of uh, Springfield government-elect Mary Bailey. <laughs> ah, there we go. Nope, don't Name's don't the same. That is from a very early Simpsons episode. From uh, Blinky ah. the Three-Eyed Fish episode. Ah, yeah, that would be why I don't. And I don't then go again back in like far. season twenty-four, because that's how late se- the late twenties uh, Simpsons rolls. Yeah, well, because <laughs> it's being written by people our age who grew up watching the show. Yep, yep. We no, should do a Learn Lean episode. Now. Bring that character back. That's, that's why. That's why it's occasionally good these days. <laughs> uh, what did I you said have occasionally. For... Uh, yeah, I, I I've seen some clips that I still enjoy. <laughs> I, I don't watch episodes anymore, but I definitely see clips that I still enjoy, and the uh, couch gags sometimes are elaborate and ridiculous, which I like. I just want an yeah, episode have, where the couch gag episodes. takes up the first 15 minutes. That's all I want. That'd be great. I mean, I still talk about this one from a few years ago, the Treehouse of Horror they did, where they were haunted by the Tracy Ullman era Simpsons. That oh, fuck yeah, I just watched that fantastic. one. Fantastic. That was yeah. a real good one. Yeah. I, I just watched the one that, um, uh, uh, what's it, Don Hertzfeld did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was Where good, they too. showed The Simpsons going on just season like, I am Simpson. 3008. I am Simpson. Uh-huh. Yep. So good. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, speaking of uh, T'Pol, uh, yeah. on the other hand, her Vasquez from Aliens cosplay is on fucking point. Well, I do like that they, they went out of their way to dress as not Starfleet guys. Like, yeah. they had to put on the indigenous costumes of these guys so that they wouldn't, like, because the last thing you want is to be linked, like, to have Starfleet Yeah, exactly. This, you don't need like, the Klingons being all like, what the fuck, man? We had a real good thing where these guys were stealing from this tiny camp. Yeah, exactly. So you can't make it look like the military is officially intervening. So And the nice things yeah, about that's... humans is that they look like a flat-headed version of virtually every other race in the universe. So you'll never <laughs> you'll never know who's uh, who just uh, stopped you from robbing them. And the good that's thing true. about Vulcans is all they need is a wide headband and nobody yep. can recognize them. We've seen it thousands or, of times. Or, or, a, or a stocking cap like last or week. Or a flimsy excuse about a rice picker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, I mean, that's, look, that's canon, man. That was written by Harlan Ellison, so you better not dispute it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You said his name again. That's two episodes in a row. If you say it on the next episode, he's going to appear in your house. Yeah, Yeah, it'll be like Beetlejuice walking by in the background in Community. (laughs) Except that I will be, except I will be angry. Harlan Ellison stealing mustard from your fridge. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) I don't know why mustard, but that's what he does. I I got that shitty mustard. Of course I do. I'm Harlan Ellison, by the way. Stan Lee. Harlan Ellison. My good, 
my good thing, and I'm, I, I assume some listeners, like, having heard the show before, are surprised that I kind of like this episode. I, mm. No one was more surprised than me. <clears throat> this is a story I've seen a hundred times, and it might be the best iteration of it that I've seen. Like, this is my one of, one of my least favorite kinds of episodes, where we go to a planet of people we've never heard of, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to get invested in all these filthy people and their stupid problems, and then we leave and we never hear of them again. But there was some stuff that I actually cared about and I kind of sympathized and bringing the Klingons in gave it kind of an original series twist that I didn't completely hate. Like, mm-hmm. this felt, like, plot-wise, very original series. Like, this is a planet that that provides some valuable resource we need. I think I think Matt said adamantium. And, um... That was it, yeah. And I, it's it was nice because, uh, you know, our guys are like, oh, Klingons, huh? Well, we can't officially declare war, but we're still gonna tell you how to fuck them up and it it just felt like a very Kirk thing and I liked it I don't know it was weird I actually thought the same thing when the Klingons were first showing up I was like it it feels weirdly good to after like four series of ambiguity to have Klingons just show up and they show up and they're like we're Klingons and so we know what's going on here yeah like they're gonna show up they're gonna swagger around it's gonna be the Enterprise goes into a situation where there's a bunch of Klingons acting a fool and they're gonna that's that, That's one of Matt's triggers, by the way. You say "acting the fool" and he will laugh. It's true. <laughs> also, if you if you call like a bird, he will always. Laugh. That's just that's one of Matt's things. Oh, it's even thinking about it's funny. Call. There you go. And so yeah, and so they just showed up and they they stomped around and they were like, oh, let's let us go have food and drink. No, it's one of those. It's one of the rare advantages of the prequel setting, which is you mm-hmm. just have a built-in bad guy. Yeah, you can that just everyone have immediately good old knows is a bad guy. guy. Klingons. Yeah. Flying down to the planet and stealing their precious hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. Precious hamburgers? <laughs> yeah. That's the third no, thing um, that I which think actually, is really I'll, funny, I'll, by the way. If I, could, if I could just, like, leech onto you or remore onto you. Well, yeah, that's, why, that's why I was uh, reading mine first, because I know yours kind of feeds on mine. Yeah, yeah, because, like, uh, like uh, it was just, it was good to just see a simple, straightforward story told competently and simply. That didn't there weren't a bunch of dumb minds, twists. The, Weren't a bunch of dumb twists. They didn't try to tie it into any meta plot. I mean, it was Nobody's still they were getting blown. stuff because their ship is still kind of messed up. Yeah. Um. But that's like no, that was continuity. That's that just was a good, good thing. Much, much like the trip to Risa only handled elegantly. It's a yeah. good reason for them to kick off plots. Yeah. Now it's like when clear, Voyager would somehow remember that they were stranded in the Delta Quadrant and have them going to trade for something to kick off a plot. Yeah. No, I like all this trading because and they're way deep in the frontier and there's no other ships out there yet. And their ship exactly. is really badly so, damaged. Yeah. So that works. But apart from that, they weren't trying. They didn't try to make a temporal Cold War thing happen. There's no. just here is our story. Here is what's going to happen. It has a beginning. It has a middle. It has an end. There's yeah. a cute kid who spends some time with Trip. There's a lady who spends some time with Flocks. But we don't try to make any of them have any sort of deep personal connection. No, I did Just like some. Trip's uh, 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 friendship with the kid, though. Like, oh, yeah, that was kid, like his romance of the week was a friendship with a kid, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the kid was like a little bit of an engineering nerd. He always liked to look at like the specs of the ships uh, that came by. And yep. Trip yeah, has a very full set of enterprise schematics like, at uh, the end. And of course, it, Trip meets his intellectual equal. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> and there was this bit, even like the bit where like they they got a little emotional with it was effective. Where the kid was like, a lot of the bigger ships have weapon systems, and Trip's like, well, yeah, it's a dangerous out in space. And he's like, like Enterprise. He's very clearly saying, could you please kill the? Yeah, I see where us? this goes next. Oh boy, yeah, they killed and my so dad. Could you like, maybe uh, use some of your guns? Oh, mm-hmm. hmm. well. 
I mean, there's no prime just, directive. I guess you I could. Ever, you ever had a catfish? <laughs> it's a very stock standard Star Trek plot. Like, mm-hmm. it really is. It, this is, again, not my favorite kind of episode, and I still found it a little boring, let's be clear. I don't... It, something it about that great. setting. I liked the, it also, but About it the filthy yes. planet with all the half-finished buildings. It just felt like one of those mullety rebel planets, and, like, I didn't want to like it. I just kind of did. So, mm-hmm. um, and you know what? They, they did have an excuse for that this time, which is that they spent the entire episode at a refinery. Yeah, I know. So, of course, but, it's going to look like that. No, but they, like... They justified it a little better. It was, it was. They did, but it's still that same Star setting. Trek plot that, that number seven B, but but my knee jerk reaction is always like, ugh, again. Mm-hmm. But you like, know, I, it was it was competent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I, but the I'm sure we all had the same reaction seeing the planet. At this point. Yeah, no. Like, Anytime oh, yeah, I see definitely. a desert planet on Star Trek now, it's just ugh. definitely. Yeah, here we go. I was just waiting for the trash can fire to show up. Yep, it was in there exactly. somewhere. No, and I, th- this is still quite an average episode. It just, I didn't hate it like I expected to. That's all. So way to go, Enterprise. You won by default this week. You didn't fuck it up, is basically all it is. Oh, uh, the Klingons mentioned Targs, because apparently there's only one animal on Kronos. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> of course. So there's that. Denebrian, Denebrian slime devils and Targs, didn't the Klingons, only two animals in the universe. Didn't Klingons yep. used to have, like, a laser cat or something? Probably. <laughs> That sounds about right. <laughs> is that a cat that shoots lasers, or is it a cat that is a laser? It's a cat made of lasers. Made of lasers. So like it's living a, laser. The entire species died out because it was too busy chasing itself. <laughs> See, you you said that, and then I thought of Laser Wolf, who, isn't that from Fiddler on the Roof or something? Yes, the Hell best yeah. character name from Fiddler on the Roof. And then that made me think of Laser Wharf. <laughs> <laughs> And that made me think of Three Wharf Moon. So that was, that was my whole uh, stream of consciousness there. It's what happens when we record at night. And all um, within the space yeah. of 10 seconds. Yeah, that I, all happened uh, while you guys were saying what you were saying. I've always wanted to do like a, a, a short edit of um, Fiddler on the Roof where it's like, Zydel's going to marry Laser Wolf. And it's like, that's fucking awesome. And then you just cut to a wolf with lasers shooting out of its eyes. Yeah. Yep. And then it burns up all the Cossacks. Like gonna marry a laser wolf. <laughs> Whatever happened to the laser wolf? Laser wolf. Um, oh, there was a cool bit where uh, Hoshi. Uh, so they're teaching the Mullity rebels, who are not Mullity rebels, I guess, but they sure felt like Mullity yeah. rebels. They're, how to defend they're themselves? Neither Mullity nor rebels. I, I mean, know, they are actually they rebels. Still, that we we are watching them rebel. They're still yeah, filthy. but they're, I guess it's more like they're re- fending off an invasion. Yeah, no, they're not rebelling. They're just they're defending their homes. But mm-hmm. um, there, there's a bit where they're teaching them how to use hand phasers. And uh, back in the pilot, Hoshi didn't know how. And then a couple episodes later, she was learning how. And now she's teaching these guys. It oh, was yeah, just that's a, a great nice callback. Like, that's a subtle nice subtle movement of her, of her character, which yeah. I liked. I guess teaching them how to fire particle beam weapons is one thing, but it's no crouching. I mean, well, no, but what could be, honestly? It's no Sussmana. <laughs> Sussmana. All right. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. No. Maybe you? Eh. Uh, I got my quote <laughs> from the very Flops same training sequence. Stuff. Oh, yes. What do you got? I got my quote from the very same training sequence. Try to strike me. You won't hurt me. It's not you that I'm worried about. All right. <laughs> I like that. I, I do like that for once they didn't go with the whole, like, uh... Uh, big strong Travis like I don't want to hurt you I love that he's yeah. just like no fuck man I've seen you <laughs> the thing is 
the thing is, he's like, he's only big and strong when he takes his shirt off. But that that's why it always surprises me because he plays such a like. Yep. He plays a kid basically. Well, it happened in this episode. He was like taking like a like something off a wall or something, or like like moving a window or something. And all of a sudden, the arms come out. Yeah, you see those arms, and yep. you're like, that... Because he sits up there, and he's so unassuming, and he plays like a young, wide-eyed kid, mm-hmm. you forget that he's built like a fucking muscle man. And yeah. Like, oh. I guess wearing that baggy jumpsuit and making us think he's weak is his greatest practical joke. <laughs> of all the practical jokes he's played. I was gonna so say, many. I was waiting for him to go back to his uh, quarters and take off his muscle man costume. <laughs> <laughs> like George Just Michael wore in the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Once know, again, I might you also, forgot the front piece. <laughs> I might also have a crush on Travis now that I think of it. That's fine. That's understandable. I at least have a crush on his uh, shoulders. Yeah, on shirtless Travis. Uh huh. When he's got this, when he's got his full uniform on, don't care. There's another Playmates action figure that uh, they never got around to making. Yeah, they just they they just uh, put an Enterprise uniform on Stretch Armstrong. They're yeah. done. <laughs> or I was He-Man. gonna I was gonna say He Man action figure. Yeah, or that. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, no. Very well, Brian. You have anything you would like to? Oh, wait. Let's let's do our alternate titles first. Oh, sure. Oh, yes. Uh, my alternate title was a Private Little War Two Industrial Boogaloo. It's pretty good. Good, Matt. What do you got? The Magnificent Starfleet. Quite good. Mine references an actual line from the episode that, uh, unsurprisingly, they they referenced, which was. Uh, Teach a desert man to fish, and he'll give you a blank look because that's not really an applicable skill in the desert. <laughs> that reminded me of my favorite Terry Pratchett line of all time. Which is what? Uh, which is, uh, set, make a man a fire and he'll be warm for a day. Set a man on fire and he'll be warm for the rest of his life. Uh, was that a Cohen the Barbarian bit? I believe so, yes. It feels like it, yes. Yeah. Teach a man to Denebrian slime fish. <laughs> and he'll be slimy for the rest of his life. All right, Brian, you got anything you would like to tell the people about? Um, I I don't know. When was I last on? Like two weeks ago? Three weeks ago. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) I was really late in one season, really early in another. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, Drama Club's doing more Shakespeare. That's going to be fun. Good, good. How would people see that? I mean, not just in middle school theater. uh, Check out Mm vemdrama.tumblr.com for uh, your middle school updates. Uh, I'm going to be. yeah, I, uh, I, I let it languish over the summer. I'm going to be kicking it up again soon. And uh, apart from that, uh, there's, of course, uh, those uh, three mysterious Twitter accounts that I found and def- definitely am not responsible for myself. I love uh, being able to tell Malcolm Reed exactly what I think of him to his face. It's That's uh, <laughs> Florida Man Trip, uh, LT Reed DTF, and, of course, Admiral Dadsack. <laughs> of course. And uh, I, 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 they might be joined by a friend sometime soon. Uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you or whoever it is that, that's running those accounts. I'm not following them all. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not. If they talk to me, I will be delighted. But I'm not gonna say what they're saying. Just, I, I have a limit on those kinds of accounts, and uh, Admiral okay. Dadsack was it. So. They say like one thing a week. Yeah, exactly. And if they're adding me, then that's good. <laughs> All right. Actually, I don't think we've mentioned your Twitter on this on the show. What? Oh, long. yeah, Arthur Bland. I don't do much on there, but that's fair. But you know, people, I particularly want to hop over and see what people I'm yelling at politics about. Well, particularly right after when an episode posts, if someone has a point to make at one of us mm-hmm. on the show, yeah, that's a good. Some point. people like to Twitter, you know, Twitter talk to us, or just to confirm that you are in fact still the mayor of Christmas Town. 
I am still the mayor of Christmas. I have not changed that name since last Christmas, and uh, I like it, so I'm keeping it. Yeah. Uh, but well. the uh, the actual uh, name is at Arthur Abland. Mm-hmm. No spaces. Arthur Abland. Right. It's it's okay. an obscure Robin Hood character. Sure. What? If you can imagine. Robin Hood reference from you. That's <laughs> shocked, shocked, and appalled. Yeah. Uh, and and we've been trying to mention this a little more lately. Uh, I am at Algar, and he's at Robot Matt. I am indeed. There, there is oh. a, a, a pa podcast account. We do not ever use that. If you yeah, want to no, follow if you it, want to talk fine. to us, talk to us. Like yeah, it's just easier that way. I don't feel like running another account. I don't even have access to it. So I, you're welcome to have access if you want to post from it. But I, the only reason I don't is because I don't want to. That's fine. I uh, I totally forgot to mention. I did have one more thing to plug. Sure. Okay. Uh, which is that uh, I do have a, uh, a recurring role on a very good podcast. I think everybody should be listening to. It's called Contentment Corner. Uh, it's a, uh, a a very funny, very cleverly written uh, soap opera parody. It's been going on for three seasons now. I think it's great. I think people should listen to it. Never heard and of it. And how would they find something like that? Uh, I suppose they would just search for a Contentment Corner on iTunes or their favorite podcatcher uh, software or uh, see the uh, Contentment Corner site at algar.com. Oh, what a weird it's, coincidence. That's my name. That is Double A-L-G-A-R. It's very funny. I got to play a sheriff this season. Uh, you might be playing a teenager soon. I haven't Ooh, decided yet. It's exciting. I haven't played a teenager since season one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the website, as usual, postatomichorror.com. If you want to write to us, postatomichorror at gmail. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And next week, uh, more more of this. Yep. Uh, no discovery for us yet. We got to keep watching Enterprise. Yep. Good luck with all that. The slog continues. Yep. <sighs> See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, We're still just doing this.